0: Welcome to Season 2 of Fractown Gumshoe, Holy Fits, based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill. Chapter 20 Fits, Alicia Linnerman is here to see you. I looked up from shuffling papers so Mary Margaret wouldn't see what I'd been staring at. Standing in my office doorway, her wrist was still in a cast, but that was the most obvious injury. With her newly acquired makeup skills, you could hardly see the bruises. One eye was still red and slightly swollen from the black eye she got from bailing out of Kovach's truck. So the thick glasses were back on her face. Like me, she wore black today, but for once, she looked great in a slim black pencil skirt, a clingy dark blouse, and sensible black heels. So it takes a murderer and a piece of shit pickup truck for you to finally get my name right. The Rays helped. She smiled back at me. I think I'm getting my own place, too. While the two of you are discussing finances, some of us are here on official business. Alicia draped her arm around Mary Margaret's shoulder and smiled. Like us, Alicia was also dressed in black. A conservative business suit I'd seen her wear to court a couple times. Her tan briefcase, scuffed, scarred, and stuffed with legal papers, was at her feet. I stood up and hugged the prosecutor the best I could with my arm in a sling. "'You still pissed at me about Tate Slocum?' I asked as we each took a seat and Mary Margaret returned to her desk out front. "'At least I have the video, which is all I asked you to get, so I can't be too angry.' "'So, can I send you a bill?' She pulled a check out of her briefcase. "'Here, this should cover it. We won't be filing charges against him, by the way.' "'You won't?' "'No.' I spoke to Agent Reisner, who told me that Slocum provided you with intelligence that Mary Margaret was going into the Abbey to save her grandmother. He offered to pay back the money to the city with a reward money for Kovacs' capture if we didn't file charges. Slocum will get what's left of it. I nodded. Sounds good to me. He'll use what's left over to set him up out of state. We agreed to seal all records, and his case against the city will be expunged. Alicia continued. Like it never happened. You headed to St. Rita's for Father O'Malley's funeral this afternoon? Yes. I'm a little sick of them, frankly. This is the second one in two days. Fiona was buried the day before in Pittsburgh, next to her husband. Gracie drove Mary, Margaret, and me up there for the services. Chief Baker of the Fawcettville Police Department and the county sheriff, as well as members of the SWAT team who responded to that god-awful night, were among the hundreds of law enforcement officers attended from across three states and the District of Columbia. I plugged my ears as the bagpiper played Amazing Grace. We sat at the back of the church. I didn't approach her parents. I couldn't. I didn't want them to know I was there. I still felt responsible for her death, even though Reisner in his eulogy told everyone how I fired the shot that brought down Kovach. Reisner caught us at the door following the services. We'd like to have you at the ceremony when Mark and Fiona Rafferty's name are added to the list of agents listed on the FBI's Hall of Honor, Reisner said, shaking my hand. We'll be there, said Gracie. She looked at me and nodded. Right? Only the best kind of woman would make that kind of promise. The kind of woman who knew that my connection with Fiona was more than just a failed romance. She'd been my partner. Sure, I said, staring at the hearse that held Fiona's casket. Now. Get me the hell out of here. I spent last night in the darkness of the kitchen, staring at the chair that now needed repaired, sipping bourbon from a glass and holding Fiona's badge in my hand. About two in the morning, Gracie came downstairs and simply held me once again. I cried. Today, Father O'Malley's funeral would bring the whole thing to an end. We got the tox screen back on O'Malley, by the way, Alicia said. You were right. He didn't die of a heart attack. You he didn't? No, somehow during his visit to St. Rita's, Kovach slipped enough aconite into O'Malley's coffee to stop an elephant's heart. We're still looking into where he got it. But one of his former followers said something about some purple flowers he had planted. Alicia said. Barnes owes you a drink or something. He was convinced until we got the tox screen back that it was cardiac arrest, since all Lumberto saw was asphyxia in the original autopsy. I remember he came to me bitching about your insistence that it was anything but. But we're going to make the announcement to the press after the funeral. I'll be sure to rub that in when I see him, I said, letting a half-smile cross my face. We think Kovach was slowly poisoning Eileen O'Connor as well, although we're still looking into that, Alicia continued. Now that she's in an assisted living facility and allowed to choose her own foods, the nurses have seen a marked improvement in her cognitive functions. They took a blood sample when she got there, so we'll hear something soon. I nodded. We both stood, and she held out her hand for me to shake. Well, I've got to head back to the office before the funeral services start. See you there, huh? Sure. And by the way, Fitz, if you ever pull anything like this again with me, I'll kick your ass. I don't care how injured you are or how bad it looks for me. She smiled professionally and was gone sat back down and pulled Fiona's hidden badge from beneath the stack of papers, making sure Mary Margaret wouldn't see me. I leaned over and opened the lower desk drawer. Slowly, I removed the bottle of Jack Daniels, the shot glasses, and the two boxes of ammunition, then pulled out the manila envelope that had been there for all those years. The newspaper clippings were still inside, the one about Del Vecchio's shooting, the articles about the investigation, Fiona's commendation medal in our engagement announcement. I added new ones, too. The story of what the local paper and the wire services alternately called a siege or a battle. An article from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on Fiona's funeral, as well as the local coverage. The very bottom of the envelope was a solitaire diamond ring Fiona threw at me all those years ago when she caught me with Bobby. I found it right before I married Gracie, when I was moving out of my apartment. It was stuck beneath the fridge, encased in years of grease, dust, and cat hair. I had it cleaned way back then, but never offered it to Gracie, much less told her I still had it. That was in bad taste, even for me. It had gone into the envelope with the articles where it stayed until now. I could pull out the articles and reread them every now and again. I couldn't, until today, ever look at the ring. I held it in my fingers for a moment before I dropped it, along with Fiona's badge, into the envelope and closed the flap. I started to place it back into the drawer, but at the last second, pulled it back out and opened it again. It all came flooding back. That first night we worked together. The night she saved my life and the first time she invited me into her bed. The fights, the tears, the make-up sex and how she'd fit so seamlessly into my family's Sunday pasta dinners. I proposed to her in front of her family and mine one joint Christmas dinner, handing her the ring that now rested at the bottom of the manila envelope. I ruined that like I'd ruined so many other things in my life, especially where women were concerned. And the one chance I had to make it right, to save her life, I failed. It's okay, Fitz, Fiona's voice echoed in my head. It's okay. You did everything you could. We wouldn't have worked anyway. Not for long. We ended up with the people we were supposed to be with. Let it go. I sighed. Okay, V. I hear you. This time, I'll listen. I licked the flap this time and fastened the clasp as I closed the envelope. I took a marker from my desk and I wrote F-L-R in the top corner. I walked back to the vault behind the old teller windows where we kept our files. I found the filing cabinet marked personal, opened the bottom drawer, and stuffed the envelope at the very back. Maybe someday after I was gone, someone would go through it and figure out old Niccolo had a few secrets in his life. Gracie was standing at Mary Margaret's desk when I came out. You ready, Niccolo? She asked. Services start in a half an hour and it looks like there's going to be a crowd. I reached for my wife and hugged her close, as best as I could. I love you, Grace Darcy. She kissed me and looked at me with a twisted smile. What's that all about? Nothing. Let's go. I should warn you. Your mother's in the car. She says she's got another case for you. Oh, God. Thanks for listening to Season 2 of Fractown Gumshoe, Holy Fits. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend or leave a review. It will really help. If you'd like to read more in the Fractown Gumshoe series, please visit www.debragaskillnovels.com. This episode is narrated by Casey Martin. Fractown Gumshoe is based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill.